0: Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with the crisis-averse Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode of Getting Through It is sponsored by individual listeners just like you. It's a project of the nonprofit Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society, Would you consider sponsoring this podcast, too, for as little as $5 a month? Because that's how it continues to be there for you week after week. It's simple. Just go to Patreon.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. We're counting on you. And now let's get to it. Back at the beginning of this podcast, when we first started it almost a year ago, we talked about fear of disasters. That was in episode number three. It had two main components, an analytical system and an effective experiential system, or you could consider logical versus emotional.
1: Right. And emotional can sound negative, but in fact, this affective system is how we make most decisions. Something has to feel right before we're going to decide to do it. And when we look at this experiential system, we discover that people are more afraid of uncertain things. So if a scientist understands it, it seems less frightening. And we're also more afraid of dreadful outcomes. And both of these work to make us insufficiently afraid of climate change. By definition, scientists understand it. I mean, that's the only way we really know that it's happening. And our image of the consequences are things like sea level rise and damage to the Arctic, things that don't seem very dreadful at least not compared to being caught in a raging wildfire and burned to death or crushed in a falling building.
0: And so when it comes to the climate crisis, the impacts seem distant, whether by geography or time, like it's far away from where we are, for the most part. Yet we're seeing evidence of climate change today through extremes in weather. That's the more intense hurricanes, the more severe droughts, hotter hots and colder colds.
1: Right. And these more direct consequences are helping. It helps people see that it's real, that it's happening now, and that it has an impact. Just as we found with earthquakes, if we only say this is what the earth does, that lets us not get too emotionally engaged with it. It lets us ignore the human consequences. We need to think about what it means for our society to understand how important it is to deal with this. And it's not just needing more air conditioning.
0: Right. So tell us, what do we need to talk about to make this real to other people at the cognitive level, as well as the emotional, right, the gut level?
1: First, I think it's really important to think through what it means for our society. It's getting hotter and we're having more drought. There are going to be parts of the world that are really facing famine, that we won't be able to produce enough food. As these climates change and our ecosystems get stressed, we're going to be seeing more diseases that transfer from the natural environment to the human environment. Both famine and disease are going to be stressing human societies. Combine that with sea level rise, and we're going to have countries that become uninhabitable. Now we're talking about people who are going to have to choose between leaving their homeland or dying. And most people do choose to live, and we're going to be facing climate migrants. Think about how poorly we're handling refugees right now. Now imagine a world in which there are tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people who have to move somewhere else. Then we're starting to look at really stressed resources and the potential for wars breaking out again as we deal with this. This is probably the biggest threat that's ever been presented to humanity.
0: So we really need to take it through and not just look at, oh, the sea level's rising, but actually what does it mean to each of us? What's the second
1: thing? Well, the second thing is actually each of us What do we need to keep it personal? Because if it just feels like there's going to be a famine in Syria, in fact, that's already happening and it hasn't mattered to a lot of us. So as we talk about it with friends or whatever, think about the local things that are happening. The big forest fire in our local mountains and not about what's happening in the Arctic or somewhere else in the world.
0: There's a lot of people you could talk to about climate change. You have people who deny it's an issue, but perhaps that's a lost cause. You probably have a lot of people who understand it's real, but don't know what to do about it.
1: Right. And I think it's talking to these people who have accepted that it's real, but don't know what to do are the most important place. If you have really bought into denying the science, you have a cultural tribal investment in not listening. And you are a much harder case to talk to. But for those who believe it is real, you have to move beyond just, oh, that's there to it's something that requires action. And people go through a process that the sociologists call milling. Before they can act, they talk about it with people they can trust, people they care about. That allows them to move from just, oh, it's there to it's something that involves me. And so we need to get the climate crisis something that's getting talked about by many people. And we also need to hear it from different perspectives, what is sometimes called different modalities. We should be engaging different senses in receiving this message.
0: Lucy, why don't you give a couple examples that our listeners might not expect to hear about climate information?
1: You can go to the scientists, those are the ones we expect. You can go to artists who are trying to express what their emotions are about the world changing in this way. We can go to music. To process our emotions, we can go to poetry. We need to hit our cognition centers in different ways with the same consistent message that the climate crisis is real, it's now, and we need to take action. So you get people to listen and mill, but what do they do? It's very important that we include action as part of the message. If we present a problem without a solution, we encourage people to not think about it. Second, these actions need to seem effective. If we're presented with an action that doesn't seem like it's going to make much difference, we're just not going to be involved. They've done these cool psychological studies where they say, you can help this child and most people want to do it. If they show you the child you can help along with the six children that you can't help, substantially fewer people are going to help that one person. We need to feel that we're making a difference. And in climate change, that means we have to think big. We can't talk about driving a Prius or giving up our air conditioning. That's just not going to make very big a difference. We have to go and demand a complete change in our energy systems so that using energy is a carbon neutral process. And that requires us to work together. Alone, I can't change the energy system, but together we can. And it's only that really big change that's going to solve our problem. Third, when we talk about what we're doing, we need to focus on what we can add, not what we give up. Loss aversion is a well-understood psychological phenomenon. People don't like losing things. And if you present something as something you have to give up to gain something else, yeah, I don't want to do it. Instead of saying, give up your car, give up your air conditioning, we need to say, develop new technology, create something new, and then we're going to have a psychological buy-in to doing it.
0: With those three points, what should our listeners and those who care about the earth seek to do next?
1: At this point, I think the most important thing we can do is keep the conversation going, but doing that in the right way. Don't go around blaming people. That's going to drive people off. Don't talk about what we have to give up. We don't want to do that. Let's talk about how we work together to create better energy systems.
0: Well, that's a great place to end. And until next time. I'm John Buary with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and please become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.